Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Fantasy NFL Today podcast. What is going on? We are here on episode 20. It is Friday. We have finally made it. You know, I was just talking to Ren, who's one of my special guests here, and I told him sometimes those long weekends that lead into short work weeks actually feel even longer. You know, I'd like to thank Mr. Tequila and my two small humans that I consume over, well, not the humans, but the tequila that I consume over the long weekends that just kill me when I got to get back to work. But Again, we have a really special episode here. This is episode 20. It's kind of a little milestone for myself and for uh, Sports Ethos. It's it's episode 20. We got two Sports Ethos uh, special guests here. We have Ren, who is a Sports Ethos writer for us. And we have Candice, who is our Seattle Seahawks insider. And today, just like last episode, we are going to be talking about over-unders as well as fantasy implications. But specifically on episode 20, we will be talking NFC West. So I would just like my special guests to introduce themselves. Ren, why don't you go first, bud? Yeah, how's it going, everybody? I think you heard me a couple episodes ago. Um, Ren Piper, follow me on Twitter at Rennie Bear. That's two N's in Ren and uh, two R's in Bear. Uh, I've been playing fantasy football for as long as I can remember. No, not that long, but uh, I've been doing it for a while. I, I think I know what I'm talking about. And, uh, yeah, I'm trying to just give you guys the best advice I can. All right. Um, I'm Candace Hagens. I am um, the Seahawks insider. Uh, you can follow my uh, sports ethos Seahawks show. We call it three, Seahawks 360 at ethos Seahawks. And you can follow me on Twitter at Candace H901. That's C-A-N-D-A-C-E-H901. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much, Candace. I got to say, your voice sounds smooth coming through my headphones right now. Oh, so thanks. You're, you're, <laughs> you're sounding good here. So the first thing, obviously, because we have Candace on the show, you know, we really want to get into the whole Seattle Seahawks. And, you know, what are they going to look like? You know, we have them set, or Vegas has them set, I should say, at six wins. And quite honestly, guys, for me, this is one of the easier ones to predict. Candace, don't be mad at me by any means, but I just think life without Russ is going to be pretty tough for them. Um, I get it. They have DK. They got Lockett. They have capable running backs. One running back that I really like eventually. I'm just not sure this year, but I'll get into that in terms of fan when we talk about fantasy. Um, I just think, you know, like I said, they have capable running backs, but the stack boxes that I think they're going to see this year is going to cause some issues. Um, they're going to have trouble. They're going to have a lot of third and longs, a lot of things like that that I think are going to cause them some serious issues. I know DK on the outside on one-on-one -on -one coverages could be a huge problem, but on the flip side of things, he's got to have somebody that can toss him the ball. And I, I'm just concerned in terms of that quarterback room. They also ranked 25th in sacks allowed last year, and that's terrible. And we're talking, you know, sacks with Russell Wilson in the backfield. Um, so I do think they stay around 25, um, you know, maybe a little bit better, but I don't see them getting much better in terms of protecting their quarterbacks. And then, of course, their secondary was atrocious. Um, they ranked 30th last year against the pass. Um, four out of those five categories, they ranked under 30. So they were, you know, the top two worst teams in the NFL in terms of passing. And then the one out of that four, they were actually ranked 28th. So 
passing, especially nowadays, you know, this is in the early 90s where, you know, we're going to have guys pounding the rock on ISOs and powers and, and fullback dives, and it's all passing. It's all spreading out. So if I was building a defense, you got to go secondary, and then you build it up from that way. But, you know, that's just mine. So obviously, guys, I'm going with the under here, the under six. You know, looking at their schedule, you know, the easier teams – that they play on that schedule is the Giants, Jets, Lions, Falcons, Panthers. And let's just say they beat all those guys. I don't think they do. I think the Giants, Jets, and Lions are a lot better than people are giving them credit for. Again, my listeners out there, yes, I am a Giants fan. And yes, I am biased, but I do think they are better than the Seattle team. I think they're going to cause a lot. The Giants, at least, are going to cause a lot of headaches with the RPO this year. Uh, Jets got much better. I think the Lions offense is extremely underrated. I can't wait to talk about the Lions when we get there. But let's just say, you know, hypothetically that they win all five of those games. Where else are the other two wins going to come? You know, 49ers, no. Rams, no. Saints, no. Cards, no. Chargers, no. Tampa, no. It just, again, they could squeak out one, but getting two more, even if they win those five easy, easier games, it's just tough sledding there. Candice, what do you think about their over-under set at six? Yeah, so so obviously I'm gonna take the over. What well, actually not obviously there are some that may take the under. Some is the all's fan base, but I'll, I'll say this. So one, uh, I, I think you're right about. Now I do think they beat the Giants. I'm sorry. Ah, uh, come on. I, I got. I'm, I'm. Hey, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I think they beat the I Giants. I get it. That they are better than than people get them credit for. But I I just think I think they can pull that out. Mm-hmm. All right. So so one. Uh, do we just? I'll just go over the game. So I actually do think they can be San Francisco. They swept San Francisco last year on a bad team, just the same. And I don't think they're going to sweep them again. I don't think that happens twice. But I think they can pull out one game just because Pete Carroll seems to be to whatever whatever it is. He seemed to figure out the Kyle Shanahan system. I mean, really, the the Seahawks. If you look over the past, I mean, even really decade, the Seahawks have really been probably one of the hardest teams for the 49ers to beat. I don't know why. <laughs> other than the coaching thing, but it just seems that Pete Carroll has Kyle Shanahan's number like uh, like Sh- like uh, Sean McVay has Pete's number. So it's just this weird thing in the NFC West that's uh, ever going in circles. So I think they can pull out the one win. And I'll actually say, and, and I will admit that this is optimistic on my part, but I actually think they can beat the Cardinals at week six game because they, they're not going to have DeAndre Hopkins, Hopkins back yet. Yep. So I think they can, I think they can beat, I think they can beat them out because I'm not, that impressed with what the Cardinals have done this offseason. I still have a lot of questions about their team as well. Uh, I don't know, Kyler Murray is always going to help, but one, he's got a tendency to be a half quarterback. I mean, he's only played really well for half of the season. My question is, is it the first half without DeAndre Hopkins? Probably not. And normally they slide in the back half. I can actually see that flip this season just because, of you know, I'm not sure that Marquise Brown is going to be the key to – unlocking Kyler Murray's offense it'll certainly help them it's better than nothing but I just I just have questions about that so I think they can pull out one game also division games are sort of weird anyway so it doesn't sometimes it doesn't always matter how bad the team is when you play a team that often you can scheme for them and even a a team that you think would lose can oftentimes win so I think those are the two wins in addition to the Falcons Lions Giants Panthers and Jets that I think they can pull out um so so, yeah, I, I I got them over. I, it's fairly optimistic. But another thing to keep in mind with this team is that Pete Carroll is still a good coach, and he's never lost with or without Russell Wilson more more or less more than seven games. So seven games is even without Russ when he first came on this team, it was still a seven-win team at least. So I think they can do that. 
I do. I like those points too. And Pete Carroll, you're absolutely right. Is still a fantastic coach. He's a player's coach. I have, I have a funny story actually. Too. I got to play uh, pick up basketball against Pete Carroll when I was in high school. Uh, I played with Brian Cushing, who was Pete Carroll's linebacker at USC. I played with him in high school and he came to our high school to recruit Cushing. And while they were pulling Cushing out of his, I don't know, one of the classes he was probably sleeping in, they pulled him to come talk to Pete Carroll. He, um, I was in gym class at that period. And I'll tell you one thing. Pete Carroll's got a mean one-handed set jumper. I'm talking, you know, that grandpa's the one-handed set jumper. And it went in a lot of the times, but uh, he's just a great overall guy. So I have a lot of love for Pete Carroll. I do agree. You know, those two New York games, um, they're definitely winnable. I'm not going to say they're not. Um, it's just like you, I am biased for my Giants. And I think if the Giants are going to hit their over, they're going to have to win that game. But we'll get there when we get there. Uh, Ren, what do you think about over and under six? Uh, I'm probably taking the under there. Uh, I, I'm looking at their schedule here. Week one, they play against the Broncos. Oh, that's that'll be yeah, that'll be fun to see Russell Wilson <laughs> yeah, going against his former team. I hope I have uh, daily fantasy sports right there. Take Russ. <laughs> I'm not even sure why they have that. It's such a touted game. I don't think anybody thinks that the Seahawks are going to win. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure watching that. I don't uh, think that. That's Monday Night Football and everything. That's going to be primetime TV. People just want to see Russell Wilson get his revenge against the Seahawks or whatever it is. Uh, so that's definitely a loss. They could beat the the uh, Atlanta Falcons in week three. Uh, like you said, maybe the Cardinals in week six with that DeAndre Hopkins, uh, both of the New York games. But outside of that, they've got a pretty tough schedule. They play the Chiefs. They play the Rams twice, obviously. Uh, the Panthers with Baker Mayfield now could be something formidable. They play the Bucks. They've got a pretty tough schedule. Uh, I'm I'm definitely taking the under on six I games. I think this is actually an easier schedule than they had last year. Oh really? Oof. Yeah, because this is a last place schedule. Right. Yeah. It, damn. So it, yeah, they it, won seven games with a harder schedule last game, and and three of those games were without rest. So it's I mean it's the, it's the NFL. You know, any given Sunday, anything can happen. Uh, some crazy pick sixes or, you know, whatever may happen. I just don't see him winning more than six games. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Go ahead, Candice. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to ask, does your opinion about the San Fran games, does that have anything to do with the quarter, their quarterback situation? Does that change like with the, with the Trey Lance versus Jimmy G, does that affect your thinking one way or the other? What week are they playing San Francisco here? First Uh, week two. And they got another one week. Um, uh, fifteen. Okay, yeah. So I think I think if the Seattle's going to win one of those, it's got to be week two. Yeah. I think it's going to take Trey Lance just a little bit of time. I mean, you could practice, you could scheme, you can have training camp, but the speed in the NFL. I know he got in a couple of times, but the speed that he's going to be seeing is a whole lot different than what he saw in in, in college. Um, so I think it's going to take him a little time to to get his stuff together. So if Seattle's okay. going to win one of those. I think it could be that week two game. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking too. Uh, but so, are you both assuming that Trey Lance starts? Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I am. I am. Shanahan's already come out and said it, hasn't he? They're mm-hmm. looking to trade Garoppolo, and Lance is pretty much the starter uh, come week one. Yeah, they yeah. they said that, but they hadn't traded. Yeah, these head coaches say a lot of things. <laughs> I think they <laughs> said. I, I think they said that a while ago, but uh, they they haven't they haven't made a move. So I. My guess is they're keeping him on that roster for a reason. If they were that would, confident, they could just cut him. How would you feel if uh, Jimmy Garoppolo ended up in Seattle? Do you think he could beat out Drew Locke and Geno Smith as the starting quarterback there? Yes. Yes, he could beat them out. 
I'm not sure that I, I worry about the fit a little bit because one of the Jimmy G is a good quarterback and he is better than, than both Drew Locke and Geno Smith. My question would be G- Jimmy's biggest weakness is explosive plays. And that's a really big part of the Pete Carroll offense. He wants to run the ball and then have explosive plays, right? So that's sort of the thing. And if you can't do that and you got these fast receivers like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, guys who who really are just deep threats, who that's that's how they play their best game. I wonder about how that fits. It probably will still look better than a Geno game or or a Drew game, but that'd be that'd be my only, my main question. Otherwise, I'd be all for it. Yeah, that, that's a that's a great point. I also don't think any one of those QBs are kind of your your franchise guy anyway. So I don't know if it's even in Seattle's best interest. You right. know, if I was Carolina, I would have looked at Jimmy. But obviously, if they didn't get Baker, I would have looked at Jimmy. Mm-hmm. I think they just have a better roster all around. And and some, you know, DJ Moore is not that deep threat type of guy. DJ Moore is more of a possession get open, you know, type of receiver um, compared to DK and Lockett. But that those are great points. So now that we're talking about individual players, let's shift our gears here. And talk a little bit about you know the fantasy implications. I'm gonna be short here, my friends. I have no idea in terms of who I'm targeting here in Seattle. Um, I'll give you where I have the guys ranked. I mean, I, I have more in-depth stuff when I get to the other teams. It's just Seattle to me is just it's just the mystery. Um, you know, I have Penny ranked as my wide uh, running back 30. I have Walker ranked at 27. DK, don't shoot the messenger here. I have him ranked at 23. And then Lockett, I have ranked, uh, I think, around 30, 31, something like that. And that goes back to Candace's point for my wide receivers, is these guys are big threat, big downfield type wide receivers that thrived with Russell Wilson getting out of the pocket. Those post patterns to Lockett were almost automatic on the play actions. You know, those are things that that are going to hurt Lockett. You know, DK Metcalf down the uh, side of the, uh, you know, down the sideline for those fades. All those things are going to hurt without Russell Wilson in town. Now, do I think these are bad receivers? Absolutely not. I love Lockett. I have him literally every year, and this may be the first year that I don't have him. Um, he did hurt me a few times because he is such a big threat wide receiver. He'll go off for 20, 23 fantasy points one week and then give me five the next. He's just that type of player. But I just loved having him on my team. I just think he seems like a really nice guy, too, from everything I see on Twitter. I know he's selling real estate now on the side. So um, he's a hustler type of guy. Um, but I just – I'm lost here. I know Ren's got some inside, uh, you know, some some insight on the running back situation um, that he thinks. I think he's really high on Walker in comparison to to Penny. So, Ren, why don't you start us off with that? Yeah, so I'm high on Walker. Uh, I like uh, coming out of the draft, Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. I thought both of those guys uh, could be interchangeable as the number one running back off the board. Uh, obviously, Ken Walker went second to the Seahawks. I have him ranked as my number 19 running back for fantasy this season, but I may have to adjust that. Uh, uh, Everything that I've heard coming out of Seattle, coming out of Pete Carroll, is that he's got work to do, and Rashad Penny is the number one running back. And at the end of the season last year, Rashad Penny showed that he has that talent. He was around one pick a couple of years ago, um, and the only reason that he didn't start immediately is because Pete Carroll likes his guys. He likes Chris Carson and Chris Carson was already the established running back there. Uh, it seems like Chris Carson may not play football again, or at least not this season, or at least not soon this season. So it's coming down to Ken Walker and Rashad Penny. I'm thinking I'm going to have to adjust my ranks because I've got Rashad Penny outside my top 30. I, uh, Candace, you may have more insight to this, but do, uh, do you think it's possible that 
Seattle will run like a two-back committee between the two of them. I, I know that Chris Carson last season primarily got the early down uh, work and they split up passing work among a bunch of other guys. Uh, do you think that uh, Rashad Penny might take on that passing role and some of the early role and let Ken Walker uh, ease his way into that early down role? Obviously, he didn't show a lot of pass catching ability in college. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I actually think that, I, yes, I, to answer your question, yes, I do think they'll definitely go two back. I mean, probably even more just because Pete Carroll likes to sort of uh, keep a variety of different running backs. At Like you said, he they played a lot of different running backs before. Sometimes that was out of not choice. That was not out of choice always. But either way, I, I think that uh, I think Ken Walker will still get his touches for sure. Um, in fact, I, I still I think sure he might not be running back one on paper. I don't think that they're going to give him that on paper. But I still have concerns about Penny's health. He did not participate in training camp, I'm sorry, in mini camp, mandatory mini camp because of a hamstring injury. Again. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, and it's early. Obviously, he can recover from that. But I'm just, in my head, I'm kind of going, okay, what training did you do that got you a hamstring injury in the summer? Um, so, so, so that's a concern of mine. So I think he'll end up probably getting running back one touches, even if he's not labeled running back one at the end of it. Cause I think the best case scenario is that he's still going to miss some games. I just don't see Rashad Penny going from his career high game starting being six to then him being able to play 17 games. I just don't think that's going to happen. So, um, so anyway, that I, I would actually leave him about where you've got him. I think and I think he's more likely to be the third down running back because that's not really Penny's game. He's not a power back. I think Ken Walker has a little bit more power to his game than Penny does. So it actually might be in reverse. And I could be wrong about that, but just how I look at their games, that's that's how I envision it going more likely. Right. Yeah, I, I think I agree there too with the the Penny, the third down and Walker being more of that. I guess you could say Lendell White to his Reggie Bush, USC, <laughs> Pete Carroll connection there. But um, <laughs> I, I mean – Nowadays, I think Pete Carroll nailed it when he was in college. You need that two running back committee, um, especially if you don't have one that has solidified himself like a Derrick Henry or, or you know, a Taylor as the pure three-down workhorse. I don't really have to worry about him getting hurt. I'm going to feed him the rock. You know, this was my my issue here with Bryce uh, Brees Hall is I don't think the Jets are going to feed him like people are expecting to feed him. I wouldn't. Why? Why would you – I met, I did this on a, on a Twitter yesterday. I tweeted this out. Why would you put miles on your race car when you're not even in the race? You know, what's the point of breaking down, especially in a position like running back, breaking down your key piece that you spent high draft capital on and use him in a season where, you know, it's kind of a wash. And I think it's going to be a wash whether Seattle wins over six or not um, in terms of, you know, getting to the playoffs. Um I think it's in their best interest not to, so they can focus on getting a quarterback and just getting better, even if it's on the defensive side of the ball. But Walker's going to be there. That's their guy, right? They draft him to be the man in Seattle. Um, Brees Hall's Jets, they're his man. Why? I mean, the Jets have maybe a better chance of making playoffs. I don't think they will. Miami's gotten better. Patriots are still the Patriots. Um, Bills, obviously, that division is just a tough division. But I just don't see why these NFL teams, especially going back to seeing all these injuries, let's let's look at Saquon Barkley, right? Getting the ball constantly his first two years, he broke down a little bit. I'm not saying he's not going to have a good year this year, but what I'm saying is 
why ruin a running back so early if you don't really got a shot? Obviously, give him the Brock, give him playing time, give him exposure to first and second down, give him exposure to goal line, give him exposure to third downs, let him learn the game, let him learn the playbook. But the way running backs have been, you know, what is their lifespan? Five years, six years in terms of, you know, average, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. talking Derrick Henry and, and those type of guys. Um, Walker, they're expecting to be like a Derrick Henry, to be like a Jonathan Taylor. They want him to be that that workhorse. Same thing with Brees Hall. So I just don't think he there he's going to get enough volume this year to be, you know, your running back too. Now, of course, even Rashad Penny, I wouldn't mind having them on my bench because if one of the other goes down, the other guy immediately steps into a three down role. Right. And then if you ha- and if that happens, that's a running back too right away. So. Um, uh, that's what I'd be looking at. I wouldn't be looking even at a flex spot for these guys. I'm looking at a kind of a bench dash, uh, you know, handcuff type of thing. What about the wide receivers, guys? What do you guys think about the wide receivers? I love DK Metcalf. Uh, regardless of who's throwing him the football, that man is an animal. Uh, he's a, a freak. He can go get the ball. He's faster than anybody on the field and bigger than anybody on the field. I don't understand how that's possible, but uh, <laughs> it is. And uh, – People are worried that without uh, Russell Wilson, he's not going to be able to uh, do what he did. I'll remind you that Geno Smith did start three games last year in Seattle. In those three games, DK Metcalf had uh, seven targets, five targets, and six targets. Uh, and then with those targets, he, uh, when he got seven, he got six of them for uh, 58 yards. When he had five targets, he only caught two of them, but it went from 96 yards and a touchdown. So that was a good day. And then uh, that third week, six targets, he caught all six of them for 43 yards and two touchdowns. So I don't think it matters who's throwing him the football. He's going to eat and he's going to get it done. Uh, As far as Tyler Lockett, I feel like a lot of his production came with the chemistry with him and Russell Wilson. And I know that I'm kind of just flipping those uh, uh, narratives on their head there. Tyler Lockett did get a game with uh, 12 12 targets and 12 receptions coming out of Geno Smith. So – it's not it was like, against the Jaguars. Yeah, it was against the Jaguars. So that comes with uh, a grain of salt there. But uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of Tyler Lockett, but he's gotten such uh, hate in drafts that he's now going close to the 100th overall pick. Uh, I'm fine taking a shot on him there. I haven't yet in any of my you know best ball drafts or anything or mock drafts. But you know if the price is right, I'll, I'll take it. And I'm I'm thinking that the Seahawks still might trade for a quarterback. I don't know that they're happy with their quarterback room right now. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> they're not. No, I mean not that not that they're happy. They're not going to trade. I can. I can oh, I can, really? I can pretty confidently say that they're not. Wow. They're not going to trade. We can talk about that here in a little bit. But um, I I think your your take on on the wide receivers is pretty pretty close to mine, Ren. I think that uh title locket struggled in those games without russell wilson outside of that now he did have the 12 receptions 442 uh, yards against the jaguars but outside of that he had uh seven targets two receptions 35 yards uh, three targets two receptions 12 yards and so he really struggled uh dk seemed to thrive and he actually had a pretty good connection with gino um which was interesting to 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 see. <laughs> I was a little surprised to see that, but they actually had more of a connection going last year than I think Russ and DK had because there were some chemistry issues going on with there, and that was DK injured. He played all last year injured, or actually after week three, it's more accurate. Um, he was injured, so for him to still pull up those numbers, and he's DK's done a lot of work on his route running, trying to be better in, in intermediate routes. 
Um, so I think that's a possibility there. And a sneaky, like a sleeper guy that you might just watch out for is Noah Fant. Yeah. I, I think okay. that he could do really well in this particular <laughs> offense because one thing to keep in mind is the new offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, was brought in to sort of help Russell at the time with his more with his immediate routes and intermediate routes because he's always a deep ball guy. He's always going for the big play, and he, sometimes he would ignore check downs and get him sacked more often. So I know we talked about sacks earlier. I actually think those sacks go down without Russ, to be honest, because Russ can – You'd be surprised how often Russ can get the ball a little bit too much. Yeah, he he can get himself sacked. It's not all on him. It's it's chicken and the egg. It's part Mm -hmm. the O line could be better, but also he gets the O line in trouble a lot as well. So, um, so anyway, I I could just see the the offense that they want to do. They really want to put an emphasis on tight ends and having those outlets there. The outlets that Russ often ignored, I think, are the outlets that Geno or Drew Drew Lock will. will use to take advantage of and i think noah's a guy that once he gets open he can sort of make the once he's if he's open you get him and get him the ball in the right spot he can sort of make the plays that need to be made in order to get you the yard so i'm not guaranteeing that he's going to be a, a high player but i actually think it's a pretty good chance and just from what i've heard coming out of camp uh they, they seem to be putting the emphasis on the tight ends in a way that they have not been able to do mostly because of the quarterback preference to this point that's that's some interesting stuff so not to change gears with that but so does that mean I should target Jerry Judy over Court and Sutton in Denver because of the trouble that Russ has on the on the intermediate routes? Because I would see Jerry J- Judy kind of going more on the deeper portion of that you know route tree, while Court and Sutton is more of that underneath type of receiver. Um, when everyone's kind of trying to label him like Tyler Lockett, but he's not anything like Tyler Lockett at all, and I just don't understand that he's more of a slot guy than Tyler Lockett is, but. Um, I don't know. So you may may have convinced me here to switch up a little. They'll switch up my rankings just a tad. Both guys are similarly ranked in my rankings, though. So. You, you you might you might. It's worth consideration. I, I don't know how they're going to scheme around Russ, and yeah. I don't know what changes he's going to make in his game. I don't know how they're going to place the wide receivers. I mean, they may have more deep routes going than they had before altogether because they did say that they're building it around him and what he's comfortable with. So that could mean an offense that actually looks more similar to a Seattle offense. I don't know. I'm not sure. So. Well, too much of a question mark for you to make any changes off of it. If you, I don't know, I, I don't really do season long fantasy as much as yeah, I do uh, DFS. But if you can make any changes, adjustments throughout the year, I would maybe get a game in to see the scheme that they do before before making an official change. Gotcha. Yeah, and I agree. I think the Denver offense is going to look a lot like early Seattle with Marshawn Lynch. I mean, they have two fantastic running backs. Denver is a disaster to play in if you're a traveling team with the air. Over there, if you're gonna, if you can run a team down to the ground in in Denver, forget it. I mean, those defensive linemen will have their hands on their hips by the end of the first quarter. Um, so I think that's what they're gonna really game plan. I think a lot of play actions in the, in the book mm-hmm. in Denver. Um, yeah, I guess a lot of what you saw in Denver when you know Elway was was the quarterback there. I mean, they wanted to run the heck out of the ball um, and, and get the ball to Shannon Sharp when they can on play actions over the middle. Um, but um, let's go back to the quarterbacks real quick, Candace. As you 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 kind of shocked me there that you are almost very 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 convinced that they're not trading for a quarterback can you speak a little bit more on that one yeah so so i don't think they they want another quarterback the p carroll is really a a a guy who he he wants he wants to focus on his own guys he believes in his players he wants player empowerment and i'd be very very surprised if they went out and they did anything else for one they wanted drew lock for reasons i don't 
I'm not going to say I sit here and I understand, but that's apparently somebody they potentially targeted in the draft. So they're actually happy to have him on board. But even more so, what, what people think is that Drew's going to start. I do not. I do not think that Drew Locke is going to start for this team. Yeah, I think it's going to be Geno for a, a few reasons. One, uh, the, the team, the organization, and the actual teammates were really impressed with Geno's ability to keep them in the game because even the games they lost, it wasn't like they got blown out. Those games were really close and pretty much came down to like one possession where maybe the defense could have did something a little different. And sometimes he could have done something a little different. But for the most part, he kind of played within the scheme and did his part. And so I, and I think he shined in that role. His floor is higher. Obviously, his ceiling is not nearly as high as Drew Locke's. But but two, they've talked about throughout the entire training, minicamp, all of the offseason, Pete Carroll's said that Geno's ahead of him in the game just because of his knowledge of the playbook. You know, he got ahead of him, ahead of him, ahead of him on that. And I don't think Pete Carroll cares about upside. So everybody's going, well, Drew Locke has the most upside. And, and you're right. Everybody would be right about that. I just don't think Pete Carroll cares anything about upside. He wants he wants a uh, a point guard of sorts. It's, it's sort of something that he's referenced. He wants a point guard, somebody who can just get the ball in the right places. He wants to run the ball. He wants to play good defense. His system is not going to be built around who the quarterback is, where a lot of the other NFL systems are built around the strengths and weaknesses of the quarterback. That's not how his scheme or how he wants his scheme to be set up. And so – to him, I think he can he he'd rather have a game manager who he knows can just make the right decisions down the stretch, and you know not turn the ball over. That's another reason why I think it's not going to be Drew Lock because if Drew Lock gets the spot, it means he's fixed a lot of his. <laughs> it means he's fixed a lot of his errors. That's what I'll say. If he gets the start, then he's come a mighty long way because he can't stand turnovers. I mean, he just has no patience for it. Even when Russ went through that stretch where he was throwing interceptions left and right, I think he had like six interceptions and like two games or something it was rough it was brutal and pete just stripped the offense completely i mean you russ was playing but he might as well have been on the bench for all the say that he had in that offense the, the past few weeks after that just because he got turnover happy and just pete has no tolerance for it so that's my thinking on it a lot of my um a lot of my projections are based off of the fact that gino will start knowing Gino and Dick have had that connection. I don't know if Drew has a connection with any wide receiver yet. I haven't heard anything about that storyline-wise in camp. And the, the wide receivers have been there. Well, DK did not come to mandatory minicamp. He came to voluntary work. <laughs> he came to voluntary OTAs. I don't really understand that. But anyway. I'm going to be here on my own time. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't really understand that. But anyway, he's gotten – some that both of the wide receivers have got some work with uh with both the quarterbacks and yeah that's that's my take it's a different take you probably won't hear it anywhere else but so I like far I've take. not I been like proven it. wrong I've not been proven wrong Pete yeah, still well, you're 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 not wrong either with the Geno Smith thing he he's a type of guy I mean I've watched him I grew up in New Jersey and I've watched him on the Jets for years and he's not a guy that can lose you the game but he's also not a guy that's going to put the game on his back that right. makes any sense. Exactly. And I don't think they need, I don't think Pete Carroll wants that. And I get that exactly. point is Pete Carroll doesn't want, um, I guess you could say another Russell Wilson, who's going to put the game on his back and then possibly throw a big interception there late in the game or, or hold on to the ball. Like you said, Candace for a little bit too long strip sack fumble, something like that. He just wants somebody take care of the ball, control the clock, mm -hmm. you know, yep. just eat clock and get first downs and hand the ball off. I mean, that's so all Russ was, was for his first few careers. If you think about Absolutely. it, that's really that's yeah. the role they had him play, and he grew into more. But he had to he had to earn that. So I think it even with the quarterback that they get, whoever they get in the draft, I think it will be 
you'll sort of see a similar maturation process. If they're good, they'll sort of have to earn the right to to be more than it. Awesome. All right. Yep. Awesome. So that that that'll put a bow on the Seattle for now. And if you want to go back and touch on it, um, we can. But let's move on and let's talk about more of a contender team and the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Arizona Cardinals right now sit at an over-under of nine, and that's nine flat, not nine and a half. So for them to win your bet, they need 10. Um, another headache of a team for me to predict um, in terms of win and loss, not really in terms of fantasy, but in terms of wins and loss. Hopkins is a huge issue. Losing Hopkins is a big issue. Um, Murray, I'll get into his stats with and without Hopkins. It's it's night and day. Um I mean, Hopkins is that dude. Hopkins is, in my opinion, second best wide receiver in the league. Um, he's just a monster. He's a beast. He's a guy that if you're in trouble, just throw it up. He's going to get up and get it. Um, they started 7-0 and last year. Everyone was talking about Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Wheels fell off. Um, I always, when I look at over-unders, guys, I like to look at the defense. I, I'm just a defensive-minded guy. I was defensive coordinator at high school for many years. I just think defense – can give you those wins in those close, close games. And I think those are the ones you need to win in order to hit the over totals. They were ranked 11th worst in 2021 in terms of opponents' points per game. They averaged against 21 and a half points, which isn't terrible. It's pretty good. Uh, ranked 20th worst in rushing yards against. That's very good. Ranked 7th worst, however, in passing yards against. So that pass defense is certainly an issue. Um, but the weird stat here is they were seventh worst in yards against pass, but 25th worst in terms of touchdowns passing against. So they would get the teams would drive down on the pass, but they would eventually rush in for the touchdowns. It's, it's a weird stat um, that just shows me that they didn't trust their pass defense. So they were literally sitting in cover three all day long and letting teams just dink and doink all down the field. And then when they got into the red zone, they would buckle down. Um, in terms of pass defense. And then they were ranked, I love looking at the stat, third down conversions again. So teams on third down, how likely are they to get a first down? They ranked 10th. So again, not bad, but not great. So overall, I would like to say their defense is pretty average. Um, you know, Watt is is a beast, obviously, when he's healthy. Um, it's that's He, to me, is that, that outliers. I don't like to say, oh, this guy's going to get hurt, but Watt is eventually going to get hurt. Um, it just it is what it is. The guy plays with an unbelievable motor. His body is just starting to break down on him a little bit. I mean, he looks like Thor, but he goes out there and he just somehow his shoulder tears or his pec tears or something falls off. And, you know, that's an issue for Arizona. That defense relies on his pass rush greatly um, because their pass defense is so poor. They need to get to the quarterback. And when he's not on the field getting to the quarterback, quarterback's got all day. That's when the secondary finds its issues. With all of that seen, uh, being said, you know, one more stat, though, on the defense that I have to mention, I, I have it in my in my uh, my notes here, is, you know, I don't know about how you guys feel about them, but it's like that defense, I looked at their, their schedule last year, and, and they, they held the Rams to 20 points. That's excellent. Holding the Rams last year to 20 points is fantastic. But then two weeks later, they go out and they get torched by Minnesota for 34 points. You know, that's the type of defense we're talking about here. Very unpredictable. Nine is a, is a pretty high number in my book. So I'm going to go with the under nine here for Arizona. Um, it's actually at plus money. So that means Vegas is is thinking that they're going over nine. Um, so it's actually not a bad bet to take. Um, I just think the loss of Hopkins for six weeks is too big. I know Hollywood Brown has a chemistry with Murray already in college. But, guys, 
it's been a while and this is not college this is the nfl it's a whole different ball game so i do think it takes some time here for hollywood brown to build that chemistry back up with his quarterback i would even have liked it better if hopkins started the season and then went down um just in terms of hollywood brown building that that chemistry with his quarterback because he is number one receiver there they do have other pass catchers we'll get to that when we talk about fantasy but i see wins uh for cardinals coming against panthers seahawks twice um san francisco once i do why not they've beaten the rams um saints pats falcons so i'm gonna say cardinals are gonna win eight games next year that's my prediction for the cardinals they're gonna win eight games next year ren what do you think over under nine uh let me see i'm taking a look at their schedule here uh las vegas will be a shootout with the weapons they have there that could go either way uh los angeles they're probably gonna lose I mean, that's you're right. Their defense is slightly improved, but still not very good. So when going against these high-powered offenses, like they are the first three weeks, the yeah. Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Rams, uh, you're going to need Kyler Murray to you know, play like he can, James Conner to be as efficient as he was last season. They'll probably need uh, Rondell Moore to uh, step up and fill that role that uh, DeAndre Hopkins is leaving behind. Uh, I'm looking at the schedule here. I'm going to say that nine is the line. Mm -hmm. Exactly nine, not nine and a half. So if you hit nine, you push and get your money back. Seven. Uh, Eight. I could see see nine. I could see exactly nine. I'm not sure. It's... That, that's a good that's number. Vegas for, for really you people. Get off. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I totally agree. And I think that shootout with with, with Vegas, as much as people um, want to lean maybe towards the Cardinals, I think Vegas early in the season has got a lot to prove. So I think they're going to come out hot this year. I think they're going to come yeah. out with their hair on fire. Um, Devontae Adams and Carr, I think, are – Oh, he's got to build some chemistry. He had, I think Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the league, and he's going to find a way to do it with Carr. Carr is extremely underrated in my book. Um, he always has been. I just like the way he plays. He plays angry. He plays with, with fire. He, he's not afraid to yell at his guys. I think that's exactly the Raiders football. When I think of Raiders, that's what I think of, you know, just angry football. Um, so I think they're, they're, they're going to lose that game, and then – it can go either way. It can go eight, nine, or ten. I think Vegas has it absolutely perfectly lined. Candace, if you had to take a shot, what do you think? Over under nine. I'm going under. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. going under. I've i I've not been as high on the Cardinals as maybe others have. Maybe it's just because I'm in the division and I sort of see some of the some of the weaknesses. But I I mean, you guys talked about defensive additions that they've added or improved. I, where I I know they lost Chandler Jones and I know they lost Jordan Hicks. Did they mm-hmm. Did they add anybody? I, I'm genuinely I'm asking. I, I don't. Did they? Did they my, I didn't. I, think, I didn't. Go ahead, Ben. Uh, they got. They drafted Isaiah Simmons last year, or uh, maybe that was two years ago. Two years ago, got the kid, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They've got a uh, young guy that rely on to fill in and step into those roles. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, it's just it's it's just that nine number to me is just like Vegas is begging. It's begging you to take the over because if they thought it was going over, I think they would have put it at ten because that double digit. You know, it seems, oh, wait, 10 games. You know, you look at 10, like, wow, that's a lot. You look at nine, you're like, eh, I could think it can get 10, right? So I think that nine is is Vegas begging. They're begging you to take that over. But, again, it can go either way, eight, nine, or 10. 
Um, but in terms of fantasy football, right? Let's talk Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's currently average draft position is 61. And this is all PPR numbers, guys. Um, and QB five. Obviously, it doesn't matter with quarterbacks, but when we got down to the receivers and stuff, it does matter. Um, I current so QB five, I currently have him at QB four. Um he has reported, you know, to the OTAs without a new contract. I know he just came out saying that eventually it's going to get done. It's right around the corner. I don't know about that. Um, I think him and Kingsbury are clashing. I think leadership is on Kingsbury's side. Um, I think this could drag on a lot longer than we expect. And if that happens, I don't think Murray, I know, oh, he deleted all his Instagram stuff when, you know, he had he pulled a, uh, a temper tantrum, but so does everybody else. I think he's the type of guy that's going to play to prove you wrong. Um, and if that happens, that's why I think I have him at four, is I think he's going to play um, with that Kyler Murray swag. You know, when he's on, he's on. When he's, you know, that scurry that he does every once in a while while holding the ball out, like my dad used to say, a loaf of bread. You know, he does all that stuff and runs out of bounds right before he gets hit. Um, so I think that contract is is plays a, a larger role than people want to say in terms of Kyler Murray's play. Losing Hopkins obviously hurts. I totally understand that. I get that. But his upside comes in the running when he runs, and I think he's going to run a lot this year, especially if it's a contract year. I don't think he cares if he gets hurt or not. He's trying to get his money. Um, teams are going to sign him either way. Um, you know, Obviously, he'll get more money if he stays healthy, but he'll get a lot more money if he goes off and has an MVP-type caliber type of year, especially on the ground running. Um, injuries are always a concern with Kyler Murray. Um, he played just 14 games last year, but he finished at QB 10. Uh, Hopkins, again, with Hopkins in weeks one through eight, he was QB six. Without Hopkins, he was QB 16. Um, he had a 65% completion rate without Hopkins, which is terrible. He had only averaged 6.7 yards per attempt without Hopkins, which is brutal. Um, and he only averaged 250 yards passing per game without Hopkins. Again, Hopkins is huge. Hopkins was the guy that takes the top off the defense. Hopkins is that guy that gets open. You can just, if he's on a fly route, he's open. That's all. You don't even have to look, just throw it. Um, and I think Murray, the difference this year, I think, compared to what we saw last year, is he knows Murray's, uh, Hopkins is not going to be there. Hopkins was in and out of the lineup, practicing, then didn't practice. Pra that for a quarterback, especially to your go for your go-to guy, is huge. It's a mental, it's a mental mix-up especially with a guy like Hopkins. So I think he'll play better without Hopkins this year. They got Hollywood Brown, who's not Hopkins, but he's good. Um, Ertz is going to be there now for a full season, which is huge. Uh, so I have him at quarterback four. I'd take him here late five, early six, maybe. So that means I'm going to lean more towards six. So I want to have both my running backs and I want to have all my receivers, meaning three receivers before I take Murray at my quarterback position. Ren, what do you got? Kyler Murray, where you got him? So right now, I've got Kyler Murray as my quarterback number two. Uh, <laughs> wow. And maybe that's, I do need to rethink that. I like that. it. It's spicy. It's just, oh, that's it's just that he runs the ball so much, and that's just so good for fantasy, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But Do you think he right. runs more now because of Hopkins' injury? I mean, I think he kind of has I think to. Yeah, you think he's yeah, got it, right? Yeah. I think he'll have to, especially if Rondell Moore doesn't step up. Uh, they, if Zach Ertz uh, starts to show his age and uh, the rookie tight end Trey McBride isn't quite ready to uh, play yet, if 
Andy Isabella can't do anything. Um, may, maybe I do need to rethink that. But like you said, it's possible that he does just run more because of that. I'm actually <laughs> looking at the team here. Uh, with the exception of DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green, all of the wide receivers on that team are below six feet tall. So uh, they may have the shortest offense in the NFL. <laughs> Mighty Mouse, baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um so he, he he's good, but like you said, a lot of a lot of his uh, production comes if he does have that stud wide receiver. And uh, Marquise Brown is a really good wide receiver. I think a lot of his production last year came on the fact that he got had almost 150 targets. And I saw a compilation on Twitter a couple of weeks ago of all the uh, deep balls that Lamar Jackson threw uh, right on the dime and hit. They hit Hollywood in the hands, and they yeah. just slipped right through his hands. Yeah. So you see I that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, Hollywood is a good wide receiver. Don't get me wrong. He's a good route runner. He can get open. And uh, even though he's small, he can still be physical. But he's got to work on his hands. He has to catch those deep balls because – uh, Kyler, I think, has a similar play style to Russell Wilson. He's small, he can yeah. scramble, he can buy time, and then launch the ball deep. Uh, remember a couple of, uh, or it was last season where uh, Kyler scrambled, scrambled right on the sideline, about to get tackled, about to fall out of bounds, launched the Threw ball up there. to DeAndre <laughs> Hopkins. He said he couldn't see over the defender, so he had to look on the jumbotron to see whether or not <laughs> That's the ball was up there for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I, yeah. Who's so, high yeah. though? Who's high? So who um, who do you have at it's one? True. At one, I got Josh Allen. Uh, number three, I've got Jalen Hurts. Number four, Lamar Jackson. Uh, so you, I, so you're all in on the running quarterback. Yeah, because rushing is gold for fantasy football. You know, you yeah, but when you cousins. got Justin Herbert, man, slings. Ah, that's true. That's true. And but Herbert I do, I, does sneaky run too. So I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, I mean, those are, I mean, you're, I mean, I have Murray at four, Lamar at three, Herbert at two, and Josh Allen at one. They're all, and then I have Jalen Hurts at six. I know you have him higher than Bump me. Him up. I have Bump him up. Five, but, um, I, I'm also a Giants fan. As you guys want to hear me rant about Jalen Hurts, listen to my previous episode. I'm not a fan um, <laughs> <laughs> because he plays for the Eagles. But anyway, um, let's continue here. Let's get to the next guy, James Conner. Um, I had a few people on, on Twitter kind of attack me about my, not attack me, but question my reasoning behind James Conner. I, guys, I understand he's currently ADP 29 and running back 15 again in PPR. I understand that his touchdowns are going to regress. I mean, he had 18 touchdowns last year. He's not going to have 18 again. Um, I'd be happy with 13, right? Um, but what no one is really looking at is the receiving work that he received when Edmonds was out of the lineup. Edmonds is not there anymore. Edmonds is in Miami. Connor is the man. Connor in weeks 19 through 14. Okay. And then again in week 18, when Edmonds was out, averaged 26.2 fantasy points and five and a half targets per game. He ran routes for 61% of the Cardinals dropbacks. Connor is a good receiving back. He just never had the opportunity to do so in, in Pittsburgh. He never had the opportunity to do so in Arizona because they had Edmonds, who is that shifty, small, classic third down back but that's not to say that james connor can't play third down um that's my argument here he's going to lose a touchdown right but 
we need to start considering that he's going to start receiving more in terms of the passing game, which then makes up for a lot of those empty points that he's going to lose in. And this is half point PPR, not even full point. He ranked running back one, running back 16, running back eight, running back 11, running back two, and running back three. I have him as my running back 11. I think that's fair. I think the guy deserves some credit. He never gets his dues. Um, Pittsburgh, he was fantastic. Um, I may have a little sweet spot for him because just the way that he kicked cancers, you know what? Um, but I just think this guy is the type of guy that I want on my team. He's a hard worker. He finds the end zone, and that's not out of luck. He runs extremely hard, and if he continues to run that hard, that hard and gets work in the passing game, I don't see how he can't finish with inside the top 11, top 12. Ren, where do you got him? I've got James Conner. Let's see, where do I have him? I think I've got him at my running back 17 because I am accounting for that touchdown regression. Mm -hmm. But I think I, I think I need to really re redo my ranks because even if he doesn't, He's he's the best running back on that team, right? Uh, they lost Chapman's. They drafted a rookie. They signed uh, Daryl Williams. James Conner's the guy there. And uh, Cliff Kingsbury's shown he doesn't want to run a running back by committee. He may have to. Uh, injury happens, but whatever. That happens to everybody. And I think that a lot of people are not only accounting for touchdown regression, but they think of James Conner as an injury-prone guy, which – Every running back is going to miss a couple yeah. of games. And uh, his first season in the league, he played 14 games, then 13, then 10, then 13, then 15. So he's, it's not, he's never played less than double-digit games in a season. Every running back misses some games. James Conner is the guy on this team. I think that there's no reason that he's not going to have, like you said, 13 touchdowns, 12 mm -hmm. touchdowns. Plus all that receiving work, uh, especially with Hopkins gone, he's going to be relied on a little bit more. So I'm going to move James Conner up in my rankings. I think he might push with, with Alvin Kamara uh, missing That's, some games. Yeah. He could push him down. Uh, it's, it's tough to account for injury-prone guys. I, we're going to talk about Debo Samuel later. He's, he was labeled injury-prone until I don't think he missed a game this season. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I, I I think I like him. He's obviously a value where he's going in drafts right now. He's going yeah. third round, maybe sometimes fourth round. He falls that far. I like James Conner a lot. I'm going to move him up in my ranks for sure. I, I, I'm The way that I do my rankings is just, just I'm a big running back guy in terms of who I want on my fantasy team. And when I say running back 11 – I know that sounds like an RB1, which technically it is because he's in, especially in 12-team leagues. I'm taking, I'm not taking Connor as my RB1. I'm not saying that. I don't think he has the upside enough to take him at RB1. But I think he's consistent enough to give you 15, 16, 17 fantasy points a week to take him at your RB2, right? And I'd be thrilled to have, let's just say, a combination of Derrick Henry and a James Connor. I mean, those are two consistent players that, Technically, you can absolutely have in your fantasy teams because if Connor's going currently in the third round and I'm drafting Henry in the first, I can technically get Connor because I would have to take Henry really early in this first, which means really late in the second. I can get Henry, I can get Connor late second if I really wanted him and reach a little bit. So I don't see um, why 
people are fading him so so much. I mean, I get it. Williams is a little bit of an issue. If you saw anything with him in Kansas City, he has talent when he had the opportunity. Um, but like you said, I just think they want to run one running back in Arizona. And I think obviously that one running back, especially with Hopkins, who needs to be a running back that can pound the ball. Um, Williams is not that type of runner. He's more of an outside zone, um, screen pass, um, that type of runner. Uh, I just, I just like Connor's up. I just like Connor's consistency is a better way for me to say. Candice, what do you think about Connor? I think he's got a decent year here. Yeah, I think I think this is a good point you made about the receiving, and I, I I wouldn't have initially thought about that. I do wonder if his if from a receiving perspective, I think that's probably where he'll add the most value. I do wonder about rushes because I I think um Ren is right. I think Kyler Murray would end up doing doing more rushes, more scramble rushes. So I think that sort of takes away from his rushing yards. But uh from from a receiving perspective, I can definitely see that, and they'll need him there too. Yeah. I think he can easily be yeah. an outlet. Uh, just because I think you could just double team Marquise Brown, and you know that that would probably leave Connor open. So. So yeah, I, I I'd agree with that. I I wouldn't have thought of it as it, it thought of him as that high, but you guys make good points. Yeah, that's that's a good point. You know that you made there that they're going to need him to catch the ball, right? Um, and I think they're going to scheme for him to catch the ball too, mm-hmm. right? It's going to you know like I mentioned before, without Hopkins, Murray was lost, right? Because he literally in his mind he has one read, two read. If everything else after two is, I'm not worried <laughs> about it. I'm just chucking it up to Hopkins. But I think now they're going to coach him up, read one, read two, read three. It's not there. Dump it down to Connor. You know, he'll 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 stay in and pass block. If no one's coming, he's going to release. Um, he'll chip and release. I think that's going to be kind of the offense in Arizona this year. It's going to have to be because they don't have Hopkins. So that's a good point. I think he's going to have to get involved. Speaking mm-hmm. of the passing game, let's quickly talk about um, Hollywood Brown and Zach Ertz. Hollywood Brown currently is going a wide receiver 22. I have him at wide receiver 24, um, obviously right around the same range. 2021, 91 catches, 1,000 yards, and six touchdowns in Baltimore. He's obviously right now Arizona's clear-cut number one. Um, but he does need to contend for targets in my book. I think Randall Moore is a is is a good receiver there. Um, I think A.J. Brown, if he's even still even active on that team, I don't even know. But if he is, um, he's one of those wily vet guys that just tends to be a pest for wide receiver ones, especially if your name's not Hopkins. Um, And I think Zach Ertz, I think Zach Ertz is an extreme issue in terms of Hollywood Brown's upside. Um, Zach Ertz is an extremely good tight end. Um, He played for the Eagles. Now that he's not on the Eagles, I can say that he's good. When he was on the Eagles, I I didn't like him too much. Um, But in terms of Zach Ertz, He's second in when he went to Arizona, second in targets for tight ends, second in catches for tight ends, seventh in yards for tight ends, and ninth in touchdowns for tight ends. However, you need to take into account majority of those games were without Hopkins in the lineup. Um, Three out of those 11 Hopkins played in. Uh, So a lot of that damage was done without Hopkins in the lineup. So where is Hollywood Brown's upside? Hopkins not in the lineup, right? So everyone seems like, oh, Hollywood Browns is going to be the guy that's going to go off for Arizona Cardinals. I don't think that's the case. I think Ertz is a more of an upside guy with, with um, Hopkins on the bench than Hollywood Brown is because Candace made my point earlier. He's going to see some double teams, right? Hollywood Brown is going to see safety over the top, taxi coverage on the outside with the corners. Um, Randall Moore is not a threat other than deep. Right. Randall Moore is that deep threat guy. So if you have a corner that can stay with him one on one, he's not really an issue. Um, so what does that leave Ertz? That leave Ertz with either a linebacker covering him or they bring in a second safety who's 
not playing safety one for a reason. He's playing safety two. He's the backup safety for a reason. He's going to see a lot of jams at the line. But if we know anything about Zach Ertz, if you one-on-one -on -one coverage him or try to run zone against him, he's going to get open. So in terms of upside now that um, without Hopkins, I think Ertz has the most upside. That changes when Hopkins comes back for obvious yep. reasons. So with all that being said, this is my game plan. If I have Hollywood Brown or if I have Ertz, I am trading them at week four, right before the news comes out that Hopkins is ramping up. Hopkins is I know you're not playing with dummies. I understand that. However, those numbers are going to look nice on paper, right? Ertz is probably going to be ranked, what, top five tight end at that point. Oh, I need a tight end so bad, right? How much, how much, you know, is he going to dip now that Hopkins is back? He's going to dip drastically, I believe, when Hopkins comes back. Um, he saw a, I think it was a 26% target share without Hopkins and then like a 14% target share when Hopkins was back in the lineup. So that's my, my mindset here. I don't want any of them, quite honestly. I'm not going to draft any of them unless they really fall. Um, or if I know I have a guy in my league that I can really kind of swindle do my old New Jersey used Carsman deal on, and sell Zach Ertz to, to one of those guys. I'm going to go ahead and do it. But that's where I have those guys. I don't want them, but I do think Zach Ertz thrives without Hopkins. What do you think, Ryan? Uh, I mentioned before how the Cardinals may have the shortest offense in the league. <laughs> Zach Ertz is listed at 6'5". So if you're looking for a red zone option while DeAndre Hopkins is gone, Ertz is going to be the guy there for sure. Uh I think that the way that that Cardinals offense has run a lot of uh, four or five wide uh, with just a, a Kyler alone in the backfield, uh, the ball's going everywhere, right? Kyler, if, if he's not throwing it, he's running it, but the primary idea is for him to throw the ball a lot. Uh, so Ertz can definitely get targets, especially in the red zone. Uh, I think uh, AJ Green can also – he's – like 6'2 or 6'3, he can fill that Hopkins role. Obviously, he's not the same A.J. Green he used to be in Cincinnati, but he's still got some juice in him. He, last season, didn't have any uh, weak winning games, but he had a couple of weeks where he was playable in fantasy mm -hmm. or, or best ball leagues. And those all happened when Hopkins was hurt. Exactly, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Once Hopkins is back, uh, it's him, it's Hollywood, Maybe it's Ertz, but the rest of these guys you don't need to worry about. But while Hopkins is gone, uh, Rondell Moore could also be an option. You had mentioned he's a deep threat. He's, I think he's that also that uh, gadget kind of guy, mm -hmm. the, the way that uh, Debo Samuel got a lot of carries or uh, sweeps going around the outside. I think they want to use Rondell in that similar way. But uh, you're right. As long as Hopkins is playing, it's him and it's Hollywood. Uh Outside of when Hopkins is not there, Hollywood's going to be the first option. Ertz in the red zone, and you can take your shot on the other guys, but I'm not. I'm not hot on him. I'm high. I'm high on Ertz. I think. I think I'm higher on Ertz than I am the Robert. Any one given wide receiver, just because I, I don't really trust either one. Um, just Marquise Brown with his hands. <laughs> I'm not sure he got. He's got the best hands in the world. Or feet, uh, especially right? when he's being double teamed. <laughs> Uh, so I don't, I don't really know how that would go. And then AJ Brown is is serviceable, but he he just doesn't have the same juice in the tank. I think he'll be better in the first six weeks. But uh, a big question I have just about the Cardinals roster altogether is, like I said, they tend to to have a downward spiral in the second half of the season. Yep. I, I have no idea how their season is going to go in general because 
<laughs> without Hopkins for the first six, then Hopkins comes back. Will Kyler Murray be healthy? A lot of the downslides have to do with Kyler playing through injury. And so will that affect the passing game, the running game? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's why I have the highest upside on the earth. But I think I agree when, once Hopkins comes back, even, even that sort of goes away. So I'm not sure there's a – I have a lot of concerns about pretty much – Everyone on the roster, on the, you, know, on that, the that, you just opened Pandora's up. box for me there. As thinking as a coach, like since Hopkins isn't playing, like am I even going to try to like run Murray as much as I would, or should I just try to run Connor more and more and and just play offensive clock and mm-hmm. win games that way, and then you know have Murray run when we got it when we're down or whatever, just to make sure that Murray and Hopkins eventually play together? Because right, like you said, if Trent shows anything. Murray and Hopkins may play one or two games together before, you know, when Hopkins comes back and then Murray goes down. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's just, you went, I opened Pandora's box there as a coach. It's just like, uh, those winnable games where I know we're going to win. Why don't we just run the heck out of the ball and not worry about. And if that's the case, then Murray's value in fantasy is going to, it may drop a little bit there, but that's obviously Pandora's box. Ladies and gentlemen, that is going to put a wrap on part one of the NFC West. Ren, Candice, guys, I really appreciate you coming on this show. This has been an absolute pleasure for me, and I really look forward to talking to you on Sunday where we will break down the Rams and the 49ers. All my listeners out there, you have a great, magical, fantastic, and safe weekend. Make sure to love on your family. Make sure to call in and check on your friends. As always, I'll see you guys on Sunday. Peace, love, and fantasy football.